This episode is brought to you by Pipeline Entrepreneurs. Pipeline is an exclusive community of startup leaders building high-growth companies in the Midwest. Think you have what it takes? Apply by October 21st for their 10th anniversary class at PipelineEntrepreneurs.com. This week's episode is a little different. It's a recording of the show from last week's live episode. Thanks so much to everyone who came out and joined us. The turnout was amazing. On the show today, we'll be discussing networking. It's a word we hear a lot in the entrepreneur community. As we discuss in this episode, it's a polarizing topic with lots of ins and outs. We're also joined by the amazing Ben Vu, founder of Skyvu Entertainment, makers of popular mobile games like Battle Bears, Jack and Jack Vines game, and Let It Goat. In total, their games have raked in tens of millions of downloads. Yeah, that's a lot. Ben also gets into his story on what drives him as a developer, creator, and entrepreneur. All this and more on this episode of Inside Outside. Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is the podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley. Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Inside Outside, your look into startups outside Silicon Valley. My name is Matt Boyd. I'm Brian Ardinger. And I'm Paul Jerry. And you nailed it, Matt. Nailed it. First time. Usually, usually, usually I do that like yeah. First three time. to five times is yeah. like the optimal amount At of times to do times. that. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about the power of your network, your personal network, uh, and how to utilize it properly. So how are we going to kick it off? Are you going to say, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> So, uh, so uh, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Is it awkward to do your radio voice in front of a crowd? Yes. Yeah, I can see. So. And by the way, half of this is probably not going to make it onto the... Yeah. L- yeah. We do a lot of editing if you didn't you guys know that. Would be, so a lot just, of curse words, a lot of... A lot of F. I, I, I'm actually not going to drop an F bomb today. Paul just oh. likes to hear the chicken cluck. Yeah. Now we yeah. edit it out. Yeah. yeah. All right. So how's everybody feeling? Pretty good? This is a, the first live event ever. We're recording. We're actually recording you, too, so make noises. Oh, wow. That's one of the, that's, that, that's that fancy mic yeah. that you usually shove me in a corner with and make me use because one of these bad boys is broken. Yeah. So I think that Brian might, I, I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian, but, okay. but being part of InMotion, yes. uh, maybe real quick you could explain InMotion, but also you could talk about uh, the network there and, and, and the power that it holds. I guess we should. I don't know. I couldn't hear you. Did, did we explain what this episode is about? Yeah, networking. networking. Leveraging your network? Cool. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you jump into that? You're All right. So InMotion, uh, as you probably heard on one of the episodes, uh, is a startup accelerator program different than Pipeline. Um, we focus a lot on the team. It sounds and, like we're just plugging. It's true. So yeah. I'll keep it short. Now, we invest in five to ten new startups every year in the software space, put them through 90 days of hell, um, but more importantly, expose them to a network of mentors and that they can help them move their business forward. And uh, we, co- uh, we work really well with the folks in Pipeline in that because we, we serve different kind of needs and different type of purposes. But I think it goes back to the fact that founders need other founders to make their businesses grow. And having other people who've been in the trenches and can help you along the way will give you that much more opportunity for success. Uh, it's not gonna guarantee success, but it gives you that much more opportunity. So I think that's the power of the network, is you've gotta both cultivate it and take advantage of it. So, so here's a question. Um, 
Whenever you're thinking By about the building, way, I'm slowly undressing over here. <laughs> I noticed that. So when we record this, people oh. don't realize this, but we're in like a closet and it's like a thousand degrees in there. First of all, I'm usually late to the episode, Always. so I'm already breaking a sweat. I've usually chugged like two coffees, so the caffeine in my system is just starting to hit me. And then we go into this room, and it's like a stale fart in there. <laughs> Brian's just been sitting in there doing the Lord knows what. That's true. And I have to like take off my hat, and then I automatically like took off my shoes because I felt like like uh, what's that called Pavlov's whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. And like I'm about to unbuckle my pants and like lean back, but this I can't. This is do, stuff you'd never hear. I can't on the do that, or I can't, or, or I can't say, "Hey, pause it I, real I quick. I need cut. to go out here and, and release gas." So anyway. Um, Back to your question, Matt Boyd. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about networking. Um, we've talked about networking on the show before. Um, there's a lot of questions around networking, but like, so let's say that you have a, a, a network and it's like, you got 500, you know, the 500 plus thing on LinkedIn. I think that's the thing that everybody strives for. It's <laughs> the badge of honor, right? Uh, what is the power of that? What do, what do you guys think that a network carries? Because I'm actually uh, weirdly skeptical about networking, and I know that, that everybody is uh, super pro. Like, oh, let's uh, let me let me switch business cards with you. I'm very um, opinionated on this topic. So I let's, let's break so I got in. I got into a little uh, uh, back and forth. I don't even know his name. Um, Oh, he might be here. Um, I think it was like Solomon or something. Um, Is there a Solomon in the room? He's like on Facebook. And <laughs> nope. I remember he started bashing Big Omaha. If anybody was oh, on yeah, the, yeah, I the Startup Nebraska page, oh God, he's going to listen to this and just troll the <laughs> shit out of my Facebook page. Um, Solomon, turn it off now. Yeah, sorry, man. I'm not coming at you. I'm just explaining the situation. Um, but it was this banter back and forth of the goal of attending Big Omaha and like, is it actually valuable or is it not valuable? Um, and I think with any event, whether it's this event here and now, or a industry event or Big Omaha, whatever, if you don't have an objection walking into that room, you are wasting your time. And I'm talking like an objection. Objective. Uh, sorry, thank you. <laughs> this is why this is why I sound okay in the morning. This is why live recordings are amazing. I am, I am also. <laughs> we can't cut that. Uh, <laughs> three scotches deep. Um, um, so thank you. If you don't walk into that room with with a in, goal, with a goal, um, and I'm talking like a number, a specific metric, what you're trying to do, it's pointless and you're wasting your time. So if you come into here tonight and you're just gonna have a drink and hang out and that's that, you're wasting your time. You should come in here and you should say, my goal is to do X, Y, Z. I mean, at our company, we'll, we'll attend trade shows and we have actually broke down at each, each booth that we stop by, you have seven seconds to grab a business card. We actually don't even care about conversing with the company and the brand that we work with. You have seven seconds to sneak in there, grab a business card, it's, we're gonna toss you in pipe drive, and we're gonna put a whole marketing effort to you after the show, so. Okay, so uh, I actually wanna counter that just a little bit and tell a story, so. Um, I think it was Monday night, uh, a couple friends and I, and you know who you are, probably in the room, uh, and we were just kind of standing around talking about some bull crap, and somebody walks up, and this person is amorphous, I probably never see her, and I never will see this person again. And the person kind of walked up and just said like, okay, so what do you do? Okay, cool, here's my business card. 
Uh, and it felt almost like weirdly forceful. Yeah. And it felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And so here's a question. Like, how do you, how do you balance the type of thing where it's like, you're, you're not too pushy and it's almost like, um, yeah, I, I, I just. If you figure out how to be not too pushy, please let me know. <laughs> well, it, it, sometimes it like, now, this is what the thing is. Like, sometimes I feel like so, you have to make it about the other person so that they pay attention to you. Right. I know that feels kind of like icky, but that's Sell, the best way that I felt. Selling is icky, though. Selling well, I don't think it's about selling. I think, I think, quite frankly, networking, throw that, out that word, you should be go, going out trying to make relationships with people. And those relationships, you don't know where they're going to lead, um, but each relationship and each node that you put into that network is going to, at some point, potentially drive some value back. Right. But if you go back in, if you go into a situation with a give first uh, experience, and yeah. say, okay, I'm going to this event to understand who's in the room and how can I help them, you're gonna have a so much better experience with a networking event because first of all, you're going to meet some interesting people and hear their stories right. versus having your story to tell. I think that's really the key to networking is to not network. It's to really understand how can I enter a room and give back first right. and then through those nodes, through those connections, you're going to reap some benefit at the, at the long term. <laughs> what's what's, Thank you. <laughs> what's interesting about this is like, People are listening to us, and when we're done, they're gonna turn around and be like, oh, should we do this now? <laughs> I will be watching you, yeah. yes. But, but I totally agree with the whole like give first and, and that, but. Um, I question. mean, you have to do your research. So I mean, I, I don't think you, can, you should go oh, in. Oh man, and, see, I never do that. Well, I get nervous. So I think if you go into an event, if you're gonna get the most out of your goal, right. you should prepare for that. I mean, it's not always 100% where you have to have, exactly, uh, I'm gonna meet this person, this person, but. I've been missing that train, Brian Hardinger. Well, this is why I have like 5,000 <laughs> in my network, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's why I can you know, get a call from last night from a friend in Hong Kong saying, hey, there's a job opening there. Do you know of anyone who can help fill it? Right. Uh, those kind of things are, are important, and I would have never expected 10 years in, uh, coming back to the States that those networks would still be that valuable. Um, but it, it's coming in with the give first attitude and right. then having a specific goal like, and, and measuring and mapping that particular yeah. network. By the way, so how, how valuable are those people that you've worked with in the past? Because I, I think sometimes people underestimate, you know, they're, they're in a current job situation or, or they're working with somebody. I feel like a lot of people underestimate how valuable. Uh, it's, it's huge. Like, like, can you guys talk to that a little uh, bit? Like, like uh, historically, like how that's impacted you by creating a true relationship with somebody that you've worked with and down the line it paying off in dividends. So uh, when I started, um, when I moved to Silicon Valley, um, I took a job as a designer and actually, um, Actually, I started out as a, a front-end coder and worked my way up to kind of leading the product and was working directly with the CEO. You know, uh, two years later, I was still in, in San Francisco kind of yep. grinding it out, started yep. Squiggle. Uh, this CEO, his name's Ryan, uh, wrote the first, like I showed him a mock-up. Gangster. And just the fact that he, he knew um, kind of who I was yep. and what I, like, what I had done at that company and, and, and that kind of thing. Yep. He just wrote a check right there for, for, for five grand. So, I, 
I was gonna say, which is not that much money, but five grand when you're on a mock-up. Yeah, I'm gonna follow up on that real quick because I met you through a guy. So when we were living in San Francisco, me and my lovely wife over here, um, we met you through a guy that I did an internship with in New York City, and he saw on Facebook that we had moved to San Francisco, and he said, "Hey, I have this recruiting company. You should come." That's oh, yeah. how we met you. Yep. And actually, our first money in. This is kind of funny, but. Um, uh, be uh, how can I say this? Be nice to those salespeople that email you because you never know who they are. Um, oh, I'm so when I was that. working at a company <laughs> called Complete Nutrition, there was a guy who I thought he was nothing more than sales rep, and he was selling a product called dot com. Yeah. Um, I happened to bump into him at a trade show and he's like, oh man, thanks for replying back to my email. You were polite. You gave feedback, et cetera. Yeah. I, and I said, hey man, you want to ditch this conference and go drink? And he's like, yeah, dude, let's, let's go do it. So we go off. We hang out that night. We hang out the next day. Little did I know that he was the CEO of dot com, which was valued, I think, at like, I think it was over 800 million recently. And through getting to know him and through having insights on his product, and he understood that I knew our industry, he said, I don't care what you're doing. And this, actually, I don't share this information a lot because it's like actually weirdly embarrassing. But he said, I don't care what you're doing. If you pitch me an idea, I'm going to put $20,000 into your company. That's the and thing. I sent him an image of what we wanted to do. And that day in my bank account was a Goldman Sachs deposit for 20K. And, and he said, also, let me tell you everything that you did wrong. You didn't get a term sheet. You didn't do this. You didn't do yeah. that. We went back and got everything correctly. But it's crazy that a salesman's yeah. email ended up being our first investor into our company. And I think, you know, as, you're, as a young person out there in the audience, perhaps, you, this is hard to understand when, so you're, hard. when you're 18, 20, so hard. 25, out, out of the box in your first job, those connections you make now yep. and where those people end up. Yep. Uh, I mean, I can look out in this audience right now. I've got mentors that I've known for almost 30 years now that have helped me. And then in return, 30 years later, I can look back and say, okay, I've, I've, got, I've changed positions. And through that particular journey, you learn stuff and you meet people. And then you just never know where those things are going to take you. So... Cultivate the network early yes. you know, and be deliberate uh, about it. You know, maybe that's why I kind of have a little bit of a, a, a disdain toward networking because it it feels less personal to me. It feels like less of a personal relationship and more of like, let me hand you my business card and hope you can do something. Hey, Paul Jared, here, Bula Box, here's my business card. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. That, if you actually approach it like that and it's, it's <laughs> purely a transaction, that's that's what you're going to get. It. Yeah. You're in a transaction versus a relationship. Right. And, and, and okay, so maybe you've convinced me maybe okay and I've convinced you everybody here they can see me I have been convinced that networking is powerful <laughs> I, be, I believe this, yes. this I believe never it. happens let me tell you this usually ends with <laughs> Brian yeah, agree. with Brian cut or I'm sorry with Matt turning it off and being like we got to start over that that was stupid like I totally disagree with you um, um, so that's all, okay so are we running out? I, I have we got we to wrap it up I have a few more quick questions these are fun ones how do you break the ice? So there's a group, I remember, God, I used to dread this, right? Yeah. Uh, same way I used to dread picking up the phone and calling people, which just like used to give me stomach pains. But group of people talking, first off, how do you interrupt that group to talk to them? Secondly, there's that person that's talking your ear off about some that you don't care about. How do you get away from them? 
What do you guys do? So, first of all, I don't typically approach a group. You what? Don't don't approach a group. Really? Find. But what maybe, if I know nobody here? How do I get to well, people? Well, look around the room. You've got at least one or two of these people that are kind of on the corner. Maybe a group of two, but don't approach a group of four or five because typically there's already in the conversation of that. Try to find one or two and then start there and then work your way around the room. Good enough. I just kind of walk up and say, hey. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> kinda, I don't know. It's a thing, right? Creep, creepily <laughs> look over the table. Hi. How's hey that working for you, Mr. Networker? <laughs> the other Matt Boyd from Lincoln, Nebraska. Is the other Matt Boyd here? I think that's fantastic. There is another Matt Boyd. There is another Matt Boyd Holy in the startup crap. community. It's great. That's weird. Okay, so, we're, um, so wait, how do, you, how do you ditch people? I, I, so I got to go get a drink. You I'll see you guys. That. You're good at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the strategy. Oh my God, that sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that over there. Yeah, oh, yeah, I gotta yeah. go. Gotta go, back. I'm gonna do that to somebody tonight and they're gonna be like, he's such a So uh, yesterday, yeah, yeah. or was it Monday, whatever, there was a lot that happened that, that day that we had the thing here, uh, opening party for Startup Week. Uh, you actually- um, I bailed. <laughs> Dude, you can call it. It's okay, it's okay. No, no, there was a different instance where you- oh. You said, I gotta go get a drink. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, yeah. I was talking to this person. Yeah. And then I had to go get a drink, and then I'm you were talking looking, to this person. I'm not looking to the right. And it was it all strategic. <laughs> Is it getting awkward? You know? Is this person, I don't think the person's in the room. Um, no, I, I totally shoveled them off on you, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, but how do you was, do that? How, how does that affect Well, here's, here's the other thing I, I didn't get an opportunity to tell this person who I was, what I was curious in, or whatever. Like, it just was this barrage of information. They were selling. That you. I didn't care. And what most people don't know is, as a startup founder, even if you might have success in the startup community, um, you might have success, whatever, chances are if you raise money until you're acquired, you don't have any money. You don't have any money. So if you're going to talk to a startup, Founder that's you know raising capital and whatever like they're they're the wrong people to pitch right yeah. like you shouldn't go after them or whatever so I just politely said actually uh, that's interesting Matt would like to hear about that and then like a ghost <laughs> like that Homer Simpson going and into the bushes is, that, that is was totally literally weird. what happened and I think I did that twice to you to the same person <laughs> twice <laughs> sorry uh, so okay awkward. I'm gonna scan the audience. <laughs> I don't think he's here. No. That person is not here. Not here. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so how do we wrap up the conversation? Usually you do the, the sign. All right. All right. That's right. Time to wrap up. up. How, do we, how do we wrap up the conversation? So uh, talking about networking, I think number one is don't be fake. Don't, don't walk into a group of people and just start selling. Right. Because that just, it just feels gross. You know? Yep. Like, like, yep. Listen and like wait for them to ask. Yeah. Like just listen. Be now, interested. And we didn't get into this, but uh, we talked a lot about in-person networking, but I think a lot of the new tools and things along those lines, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, there's a lot of different ways to engage with people that aren't in your own backyard, and I think that's totally appropriate to do so, and I've met amazing people through that particular process. So take advantage yep. of the new tools as well. And I would say, um, I, we probably agree to disagree, but I would say any event that you're going to spend your time on. Um, especially if you're, you're running a company or your time is stretched, go into that event with a clear objection. <laughs> Goal. Correct? Objective. Objection. Yeah, object, objectives and goals. Go into there with a clear metric, a clear objective, a clear goal, and 
know what you want to take away by the time you leave there. And then if you don't hit that, you know not to go to things like that or go to it next year. So. All right, with us today, special guest, Ben Vu. Ben is a startup founder from way back. I'm trying to think, it was six or seven years ago since you started your company. Uh, he's best known for the video game Battle Bears. So if you have an iPhone, you probably have it on there right now. Uh, started a company called Skyvu, and Ben's got a, a really great uh, story and, and kind of ups and downs of his startup uh, career and how he's built that in Omaha. Um, you think of gaming and you think of media and you think of Disney and you think of things like that and you, you don't often think of, think of Omaha, Nebraska. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, get into some questions of how did you become an entrepreneur? Why did you decide to start a, a video game company and, and what's the process you went through? Wow. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I'm originally from Norfolk, Nebraska, not too far from here, a uh, small country town. And um, I, was, I did a lot of growing up in Omaha. And all along, people always told me that I'm a good artist, I can draw really well. And I uh, always aspired to become an animator on Hollywood films. So um, the, the short story is basically I ended up at uh, a school called CalArts in Los Angeles. Um, and that's where a lot of the Disney and Pixar guys uh, went. And while I was there, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Ed, Ed Catmull, Dr. Ed Catmull, who co-founded Pixar. And uh, I was really inspired by what he told us in terms of how to manage artists and creativity and how that can all come together in business and be successful in business. And not only that, a sustainable business that repeats itself. So uh, based off of that, I had the seed in my mind from CalArts that I could eventually make my own studio. Um, but I went to work in the film industry first and I worked on a film called Coraline uh, around 2004, 2005. And then I worked a little bit on a movie called Box Trolls. Uh, so fortunate that both of those uh, did pretty well. Um, but then I was always thinking about how I'm gonna do my own thing. And while working on those movies, they were kind of run like startups. So those, those movies were made by um, a company that's owned by Phil Knight, the guy who Nike. owns yeah. Nike, and his son Travis. And I learned a lot from um, that operation, as well as a handful of Nike executives that, that, that were, were helping out with, uh, with the studio starting up. Um, like the former Nike CFO, and again, uh, understanding the business behind the creativity that I love to do. Um, so around 2007, I decided to uh, ask my family for help in terms of you know family funds, and I had this crazy dream of making my own animated stories out of my parents' home country, which is Vietnam. So raised a little bit of money from them, bought a bunch of Dell computers, box them up secretly, <laughs> separated the CPUs from the hard drives uh, so that the commies wouldn't take, take parts and reassemble it, had to send it in separately, and infiltrated a communist country, okay. hired students, uh, and started building what would be the seed of uh, Skyvu wow. animation. And um, 
I failed miserably <laughs> uh, a year later and essentially had to pack, pack my bags and head back home to the U.S. and back to Omaha, where I planned to head back out to the West Coast um, to, to raise funds and, and have another go at it. Uh, in 2008, the iPhone came out, or the iPhone and the App Store became open to third-party development. <clears throat> and a problem I wanted to solve was <clears throat> how to tell stories quicker because I have a really short attention span. And we devised this little app called Storyboy, um, running on an iPhone 3G, I believe. Um, very clunky. Um, but it got the attention, and I made this in my dad's basement um, with a couple people here in Bellevue. And um, it caught the eye of a local investor named Karen Linder and her husband, Jim. And they were down in my dad's basement um, looking at me uh, sitting at a plastic table um, <laughs> showing this, this, this little app um, that barely worked. You just flipped through the pages and told a story. And they, that got enough interest for them to introduce me to the Nebraska Angels group, um, which became pivotal in 2009 when we raised our first angel round. And um, from there... Um, we pivoted into mobile development um, and, um, well, something interesting happened along the way. We, 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 we had, I had this story idea based on my family's journey from Vietnam to America and I overlaid it with my own characters that were bears and I called them battle bears. Um, and uh, we decided to make a game based off of that and that game in late 2009 took off hit number two on the top charts. And then from that, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it, was during, it was around this time, it was during football season, the only app ahead of us was Madden. So can't, can't top that, or maybe. Um, but um, so from there we pivoted again from kids' story boy, storybook apps into mobile games, which was a much more uh, revenue intensive uh, business. Um, so from that, we grew the company out of my dad's basement. We got, ended up sort of getting kicked out. Uh, and then we moved into a house in Millard, and the city of Millard sort of kicked us out because uh, we had too many cars parked out in front. <laughs> um, along the way, uh, we brought our games to the iPad when it first came out. We were the first 3D game on the Android market. Um, so we really pioneered this idea of action games on mobile when a lot of people said no one would ever want to play an action game on a little screen like that. But it turned out that we found our niche, we found our product market fit with uh, young males that don't have access or are grounded from their Xbox or PS, <laughs> PlayStation. And That's a they, big market. They would love to play our games. They would play at lunch uh, during school, and then we found out that they would play a lot right after school. And then this nice little pocket of action around 10 to 11 o'clock where they would be playing after their parents told them to go to bed, but they'd be sneaking away and playing it on the iPod Touch uh, and the iPad. So uh, really, really, really amazing growth um, since then. Uh, and then in 2011, we made the critical move to pivot to a free-to-play uh, type of monetization in a game. Introduced multiplayer. We were the first cross-platform multiplayer action game where an iOS player can play against an Android player. And then uh, around 2012, I met uh, at Big Omaha. I networked and met with uh, a guy from Chicago named Paul Lee 
who worked with a firm called LightBank, and LightBank ended up leading our first VC round in 2012. And then from that point on, we, we've grown uh, significantly in terms of downloads. We are over 30 million downloads, mostly free, uh, but our conversion rates are pretty nice. Um, and uh, in 2012 also, I was uh, encouraged to apply to the pipeline group, and um, that was a very pivotal event in terms of showing me that there were other entrepreneurs in the yeah. Midwest area. So I had a quite a long journey up to the point yeah. where I thought that there were other entrepreneurs trying to do big things in this region, and I was happy to discover that there was. Back then, we didn't have, I mean, Silicon Prairie News was just barely on the map. Um, this podcast didn't exist. <laughs> um, uh, this whole Haymarket area in Lincoln did not exist. Um, so, so it was really we felt I really felt like I was alone. Yeah. Um, but over the years, um, I quickly learned that I'm not. Yeah. Well, you're not alone here because we have a, a live audience. So we thought we'd open it up to, for a couple questions, maybe from the audience. I have been oh, in the back good. talking to entrepreneurs, so if you already said this, I have to apologize ahead of time. But you, after you won Innovator of the Year, you took on a significant round from LightBank, and can you talk a little bit about the ups and downs of taking on a significant round from a, a VC? So, so at, around the time when I won Innovator of the Year uh, at Pipeline, yeah, we did close our, our first VC round with LightBank, and... Um, in, I can't think of many downs. I, I can only think of the ups because <laughs> obviously capital goes up um, and uh, your, your capacity to do uh, uh, many or a few things is at your disposal. And one of the key lessons learned there is the, the focusing on less is, is probably the smarter move even though you have a lot of that. And it's a case of uh, when they say turning on the gas, um, it doesn't mean to do more different things. Technically, it could more or less mean turn on the gas on that core um, fundamental that is working for you right. and scale it up in that vertical. Um, so so that, that's, again, mostly all ups. Um, challenges of working with, um, well, Chicago-based investors, we also had a Boston-based group called Nextview Ventures as part of it, Great Oaks from New York City. Um, and the Nebraska Angels participated as well. So um, just open communication, keeping them up to date on, on the progress of the company is key. Was it difficult being a Nebraska company? You were one of the first companies around here that's kind of raised from outside investors and that. What, how difficult was it or what were the questions that you got that were different? I remember Paul Lee asking me if I would change the name of the company. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so that, that, was, that was an interesting one. Um, and I didn't. <laughs> um, and um, what other questions? I mean, there's so many questions that you're going to be faced at that point. Um, a lot of it's going to be dealing with your metrics and whether or not you understand the LTV of your customers and what your conversion rates are. Um, and this is all, you know, this is me, former artist, animator, turn, turn executive, trying to answer these questions. And again, in hindsight, I kind of wish I had a more of an established network yeah. of Midwest entrepreneurs to, to call upon. And I should have done more homework in that regard. Um, but, but things turned out well. And, and 
you know, we, we were able to grow. Great. Any more questions? Yeah. Sure. If you were given an elevator speech to an investor, what are, your, are the three things you think they would want to hear? If I were to get an elevator speech with an investor, what are the, what are the three things they want to hear? One, okay. Okay, so I'm putting myself in investor shoes. What, I, what do I want to hear? Even though I, I, I'm not an investor yet, uh, but I would want to hear what big major problem that you're trying to solve. Um, how are you going to solve that, meaning team? Who are you? Who's working with you? And can you execute on solving this problem? And by solving this problem, is it gonna generate revenue? That those, those are the, probably the three things. I think we have time for maybe one more. Uh, so you're, you're a mobile gaming company in Omaha, which is like, how, how did that happen, number one? Um, but <laughs> really what I'm, story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, how did that stay happening? Well, I guess what I'm really most curious is what has been the best part about that and the worst part about that being, you know, the rest okay. of your world is on the coasts. You're yeah. here yeah. somewhat on an island. What's been the best part about that and the worst part about that? So how did we survive as a mobile gaming and a mobile entertainment company in, the mid, in, in, in Omaha? Um, while all the action, all the action, and all of the talent, and a lot of the capital is elsewhere. Um, one market timing, timing is timing is indeed everything. If it wasn't me saying, "Hey, let's make a quick little arcade game on the iPhone 3G in late 2008," just the seed of that idea. No. It, you know, if I were to launch that game now, it, w it probably wouldn't yeah. even float. So, 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 so again, market timing. Um, the persistence and drive of our team and our employees to believe that we can take on the heavyweights like EA and Zynga and you name it, whoever has raised the next 60, $100 million <laughs> round. Um, Gosh, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that I, I don't know why I feel that way, but I just do. I, 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 I believe that we can. And because I, it kind of goes back to my, my animation background in terms of great stories are all around us. Um, and they're in the Midwest as well. So why can't great games come out of the Midwest? Why can't, why can't great experiences and brands come out of this region? when frankly they all the big companies do a lot of their market validation here so if the birth of it can be here why not yeah thank you great way to, great way to wrap it up big round of applause for ben Booth. thanks for being on the show well that's it for this episode we hope you enjoyed it thanks so much to ben vu for taking time to chat with us feel free to give ben a shout out on twitter and let him know you enjoyed the interview if you have a question for us this week just reach out at the IO podcast on Twitter. And if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, go ahead and do that now. Until next time, go build something big.